1: Welcome, everyone, to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. Joining us, as always, of course, the Sunshine Boys. That would be Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. We've got Tim Williams with us and our expert in college football. Of course, that would be Joey Johnson. and Joey, it's, uh, it's great to have you as a guest today. You know, we're at the halfway point in college football. What are some of the surprises that you're looking at uh, as we analyze the first half of the college football season 2017?
2: Oh, I would say uh, surprises. uh, I think Florida State would have to head the list. I mean, they've gone from uh, being a team that everybody universally thought was a college football playoff uh, semifinalist, and now they're probably likely fighting for a bowl game so I don't think anybody saw that happening. Um, so I put them at the top of my surprise list. Um, but there's also with, with with whatever surprises exist, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of things that have happened as expected. We we appear to be girding for what could be the third consecutive Alabama Clemson title game, and I don't think you can argue strongly against that at this point uh which is which is kind of unfathomable unfathomable in a, in a sport such as college football which which has so many ups and downs that two teams could meet for the title three straight years so uh it's kind of the, with with there are there are surprises but there's there's things that are falling into place too and but but like you said we're at the halfway point and this this time of the year to halloween kind of signals the start of a lot of crazy things that often happen so uh, we just need to buckle in and let it play out because all our, all our suppositions at this point could be blown up in the smithereens. So
1: that's what makes it so fun. Absolutely. Mr. Joe Henderson, you uh, have any questions for Joey? Uh,
3: yeah, Joey. Um, the uh, South Florida Bulls, which you are very familiar with, um, are cruising along undefeated, likely will remain that way for a while but a team that's kind of flown under the radar but is starting to get a lot of traction is UCF. And as amazing as it sounds, the Bulls and UCF could arrive at Thanksgiving weekend for their showdown the War on I4 as they call it. Um both undefeated. Do you do you see that as a possibility, as a likelihood? Um how do you see that playing out?
2: I see that as a strong strong probability, actually, um, that both teams would go in unbeaten and probably playing for their division title, uh, which could mean the conference championship, which could mean a major bowl game. Off in the distance, we have to be aware of San Diego State, which is also undefeated and has two Pac-12 victories, and probably will be ranked ahead of UCF and USF in the first college football playoff standings, I'm, I'm guessing. So it would be in both the interest of the Knights and the Bulls to have San Diego State lose at some point. I don't know who that's going to be against. Uh, but anyway, uh, so nothing is guaranteed. However, the fact that USF and UCF are both undefeated and ranked, they both need each other. And they both need each other as a springboard so they could actually serve as the the uh, the drive to get one of those teams past San Diego State ultimately. So that'll be an interesting subplot to see just how all all three of those teams progress until uh, the end of the season. But certainly the, the USF-UCF rivalry uh, has a lot of flavor, uh, regardless of the records of the teams. But the fact that both could be undefeated will just put it in a different universe. And um, ironically enough... Uh, on uh, they play on black friday what what could be black saturday would be florida florida state two teams that could very well be 6 and 6 and 5 uh type of teams uh needing a victory to get into a bowl game uh that that's another very strong probability as 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 crazy as that seems but both both florida and florida state lost uh their gimme games to the hurricane uh florida had northern colorado and and um Florida State had Louisiana Monroe, and both of those games were canceled by the hurricane. So they lost their what what they may need is the opportunity to get that sixth win. So they they may desperately need to beat each other just to get into a bowl game. Whoever thought that would happen?
0: I have well, a follow the, up. Uh,
3: no, I was gonna. I was just real quick. I was gonna ask Joey on on the UCF situation. You've forgotten one, what I consider likely subplot to that game was uh, the what by then could be the impending departure of Scott Frost.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's a hot, hot name nationally. And I would, I would guess he would, um, he would be at the top of everyone's list when the jobs come open. Obviously people have, have placed him back to his alma mater at Nebraska, which is is struggling and could be looking for a new coach at the end of the season. So, um, uh, he has done uh, remarkable things in in a couple of years at UCF, which was uh, uh, you know winless operation that he stepped into, and uh, he's, he's turned them around as as well they should be uh, at this level as should USF with uh, a roster full of athletes and contending for a conference title. So um, yeah, without a doubt, we have to watch the uh, the Scott Frost situation that will be uh, part of the UCF backdrop the rest of the season.
0: Okay. You mentioned Florida and Florida State both having disappointing seasons to this point and how great South Florida and Central Florida have been. The question I have is, I'm looking at the rankings and both of them are undefeated. Both of them are ranked. Miami is also undefeated and ranked. So I guess my question is, because it would be so monumental for either South Florida or Central Florida to claim this unofficial title could either of those schools be the best college football team in the state of florida
2: you know it it could be an arguable point by the end of the season i think without head-to-head matchups it'll be difficult to say that say it absolutely but um i think the talent level at usf and ucf is, is somewhat underrated when you think about um Uh, Other schools, the the so-called Power 5 schools, I think actually USF and UCF have Power 5 rosters, just not in the Power 5 conference. I mean, their talent level stacks up uh, against uh, many major colleges, and they'd be very competitive in those situations. Um, Florida State is is very talented. Um, If you look at the players they have on their roster and the recruits they brought in by anybody's measure, this is a very talent-laden team. My question would be about the leadership, the coaching, the direction, all those uh, intangibles, because they're certainly not putting together on the field. Florida is a bit more of a, of a mystery, uh, especially at quarterback, the, the material they're putting on the field. Uh, obviously, they've had a lot of suspensions. They're, they're down in numbers, but still, uh, it, it baffles that, that they're not a little further along than Jim McElwain's third year, so I would. I would question, you know, maybe their their talent level. Certainly, they do have skill, but but not as much as you would expect from a Florida Gators team. All that being said, if you the USF UCF winner emerges as a conference champion, undefeated, and goes to a major bowl game, heck, let's call them the state champions. Why not? I'm all for it.
3: Joey, uh, there's the you, you mentioned Florida and and some of the problems up there. This the off-field issues have really overshadowed a lot of what's going on with the Gators this year, and you know, obviously the injury quarterback didn't help. But given the the potential severity of of what's happened off the field, combined with a very disappointing performance on the field, could uh, Jim McElwain's job be in jeopardy?
2: Oh, I, there's no question about it. Now there's, there's a huge buyout. They they renegotiated this contract and gave them extra money, extra years. So it will be costly, but we're also looking at an athletic director that didn't hire him. And that's only the 10 year situation. So um, uh, did not, did not hire uh coach McElwain. So if, if, you know, if they lollygag around and and just eke into a bowl, or certainly uh, don't get into a bowl, I, I I would say all bets are off. And um, you have, like you said, you have to look not only at the on-field performance, but what's going on off the field is is horrific. And uh, I think even the most loyal uh, alum of the Gators uh, is is ashamed of what's what's happened up there, and and wants it to go away, and doesn't want to be associated with this type of of off-field nonsense and headlines so uh it could very well be that a new broom sweeps clean uh, if they don't uh, pick up the pace even if they do pick up the pace a little bit uh, see how the fallout uh, handles on on all these uh off-field issues because it's uh it speaks to uh you know direction leadership oversight all of that which none of which has seemingly occurred
4: i would uh Jim, I would like to ask our uh, savvy analysts to weigh in uh, nationally. Uh, Joey, uh, on on the Heisman race Uh, at this point, guys start to separate themselves. Um, Obviously, Barkley is is in the middle of the mix uh, for Penn State. Joey, does Barkley need uh, a a bravura performance uh, in a big game in the next couple of months to – to lock this down, and, and who do you see um, maybe uh, emerging from the pack or maybe somebody that's uh, not getting enough ink right now in, in the Heisman race?
2: Yeah, I I would say that uh, Saquon Barkley, if he has a big game against Ohio State on October 28th, that could be his ticket in. Um, it could be that simple. If if he runs for 150, 200 yards, looks great, Penn State beats Ohio State, that could be uh, – that could be the thing that puts him over the top. Um, you know, we have a defending Heisman uh, uh, winner that gets that's getting almost no attention. Lamar Jackson, he's still putting up big numbers. Uh, it's almost like he's just been playing from behind all season. So I'll be curious to see how how he how he is perceived if he if he has a great finish, which he didn't have last year. Uh, you also have a, an undefeated San Diego State team. Here's a dark horse candidate uh, that, who has a leading rusher in the country, Rashad Penny. Um, that's certainly um, somebody to keep your eye on. Uh, elsewhere, some of the uh, some of the the guys that were mentioned before the season, uh, specifically Sam Darnold of USC, has kind of taken a step back. Um, and there's been some other other guys such as uh, Luke Falk at Washington State a uh, very very good quarterback who's putting up big numbers for an undefeated team that could be a factor. So it's still a bit jumbled, but I think I think the cleanest the cleanest candidate right now is is Saquon Barkley of Penn State, the running back and uh he just needs that that flash flash game and that could be coming at Ohio State.
4: Penn State good enough to win that game, Joey?
2: Absolutely. Penn State is a very very good team. Their offense is uh, is so fun to watch. Uh, Joe Moorhead, their offensive coordinator, is is incredibly imaginative, uh, really uh, puts his guys in a position to make plays. I have to think he's going to be a head coach at some point, somewhere. But uh, he is just – he really breathes life into that program. Great hire by James Franklin. And uh, Trace McSorley, Saquon Barkley, the receivers they have, they put up a lot of points. Really looking forward to the Penn State-Ohio State game. I think that's going to be one of the key moments of the season. Um, uh, either team can can certainly win. I think last year we were all surprised when Penn State upset Ohio State. We didn't know how good Penn State was at that time. They've proven to be, you know, very, very worthy. So, uh, yeah, Penn State is capable of, of, of running the table. Interestingly, um, Penn State goes into that game playing Michigan. Ohio State goes into that game coming off a, a bye week. So that's, that's a bit of a, a scheduling quirk that I'm sure Penn State isn't happy with. But, um, you know, we'll have to see. Ohio State, Penn State is definitely one to circle on your calendar.
0: The SEC East has been down for a few years and just really hasn't been considered the stronger division for a while now. But I'm looking at Georgia's undefeated. They're ranked fourth in the AP poll, fifth in the coaches poll. How good's Georgia? Uh,
2: Georgia is is terrific and and capable of getting into the college football playoff and I would I would uh, love to see an Alabama Georgia title game which which appears very likely at this point in the SEC uh, Kirby Smart has come in and um, uh, kind of taken the program to a different level Mark Drek did a nice job for a long time mm-hmm. there but he, it, they just couldn't quite seem to get over the hump. They were never a a, a true championship contender. Part of that was was they were always having to play against uh, some pretty good Florida teams, so that that sort of inhibited Mark Rick's uh, efforts when he was at Georgia. But, you know, Georgia has always had personnel and talent, and whether it's losing to Florida or or stumbling against somebody lesser on the schedule, they they just have always been just a little bit short. But it it looks like Kirby Smart has has got them in the right direction for sure. And uh they they have a they have a win over Notre Dame and they're running through the SEC. So I think if they continue to play out, even if they would lose to Alabama, I think they would be a strong contender to get into the college football playoff depending on what happens elsewhere.
0: We talked a little bit about Scott Frost might be a a hot coaching candidate for the for some of the Power Five conferences you mentioned Nebraska and you've also mentioned the offensive coordinator at Penn State you know at Florida at Louisiana State at a lot of these schools at a lot of really big schools right now the fans are thinking about a coaching change. So, what other names are we going to start hearing as head coaching candidates across college football?
2: Well, one name you probably will hear is Charlie Strong at USF, even though this is his first year. Uh, this is a this is a name that that could could be in play for a Power Five job. Uh, we'll have to see, you know, what his intentions are. Uh, certainly, there's 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 something to build here at USF. But if um if there's a, a, a bigger opportunity with more money and a power five conference it may be difficult to resist. So uh certainly Charlie Strong is is, is a guy to look at. Um, you know, there's a number of, of uh group of five coaches at, at 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 smaller schools that could could be ripe for an opportunity. Um a lot of it is just going to depend on on how how these teams finish the rest of the year I and mean, most of them have significant buyouts. So it's it's a you get into this drowning pool financially where you start changing coaches a lot and some schools can't keep up with that pace. So uh we'll have to see him and Kevin Sumlin seemed like he was he was all but gone, but they seem to have right at the ship and it'll be inter- interesting to see how what Texas a and M does. Uh he's you know, put up nine, eight, nine, ten win kind of seasons for for his tenure. And uh, but they they seem to think uh, maybe that's not good enough. So we'll, we'll that that could be a good litmus test as to what what Texas A&M does. If if that domino falls, uh, maybe others will follow. But uh, you know it, it it it's always it's always open season on on college football coaches uh, this time of year that don't meet expectations. But there's you know there's a price to be paid, the buyout, and also just getting getting the right guy. If you don't get the right guy, you find yourself in this uh, this uh, this never ending conundrum where you're changing coaches every two and three years. No, no program wants to go through that.
3: Joey, wouldn't you Joey. think
2: that uh, Butch
3: Jones is is dead? Coach wa- walking at Tennessee.
2: It seems so. I mean, you look at the, the on field perception or the on field performance, losing forty one nothing at home to Georgia is is sort of unforgivable and um you know he's had a few years hadn't really gotten it done hadn't really taken advantage of what's been a down uh era in sec east um and also the you know the the perception may be too much to overcome i mean they're fighting uphill uh and and the people are are are, are very very loud right now as ron zook used to say there's a lot of noise in the system at, at Tennessee. So I, I I think maybe uh, it's it's unsalvageable at this point. And, um the interesting thing uh, to me is if, if um, and we've seen it happen at Florida. Uh, if you if you know for sure that this is not your coach, um, you know it might be in your best interest to just dismiss and move on, and that gives you more time to plan for your next coach. So we haven't really seen a uh, the in-season in uh, firing yet, but but maybe uh, it could be imminent if a few more, few more losses come, come their way.
1: The Sunshine Boys will return right after these words from DirecTV Now.
0: You know what? We want TV without all that old TV stuff. We want live TV that's annual contract free. Hardware free. Commitment free. Even couch free. Walls free. Pants-free. Just completely free to be free-free. Because that's how we want it. Direct TV now. Live TV on any screen. Only from ATT.
1: Welcome back to this edition of the Sunshine Boys Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. Of course, we're joined by the Sunshine Boys themselves, Joe Henderson, Ira Kaufman, Tim Williams. And now, back to our guest, Joey Johnston.
4: Joey some of the uh, NFL teams at the shallow end of the pool uh the winless boys the the, uh, the browns of course uh the giants the 49ers uh Joey it it, it would seem at first glance uh looking ahead to the draft that uh they're all looking for quarterbacks including the giants who need somebody to replace uh, Eli uh Joey, is a quarterback going number one? Unlike last year with Miles Garrett, who I believe is going to be outstanding. Joey, I think Garrett's the real deal. Uh, will a quarterback go number one in, in the 2018 draft, Joey? And and if so, who's it going to be?
2: I think it would probably be Sam Darnold of USC. I mean, regardless of of how USC is performing on the field, I mean, he appears to be the guy that everybody is focusing on as as, as the guy. Uh, heading into um heading into next year. Um of course he's he's an underclassman so I, I, I suppose if if uh if the right team uh uh wasn't at the top and, and in his opinion you can always come back to you um, and and try to win right. a national championship again. But I uh early in the season Sam Darnold was the guy that was appearing on most of the top top of the draft boards. Uh Certainly Saquon Barkley is an intriguing guy for Penn State, that not only just a productive running back, but his, his, his speed and strength are just off the charts. I mean, he's, his, his weight room numbers are ridiculous, and, and, and with the size he is, how fast he moves, I mean, he'd be a heck of a weapon for an NFL offensive coordinator. I know they're, they're probably salivating over adding somebody like that. Then again, I know the running backs at the top of the draft. That that situation doesn't really happen these days. Running backs seem to be a commodity that um, that uh, people think they can get later in the draft. So I don't know that he would he would figure in as a number one guy. But he's certainly an interesting. Who's the prospect. best,
4: uh, Joey? Who, who's the um? Who's is there a clear cut best uh, defensive uh, prospect in, heading into the draft?
2: Oh, I don't know. Um, I think uh, Alabama has a really good defensive back, Ninko Fitzgerald. Um, there's a handful of others. I mean, you always you can always start to look at Alabama. Um, you know, several guys off that defense, and and there are some others. But, um, but I, I I think I think there's going to be enough depth at quarterback where it may swing back to be more of that traditional draft where we see some quarterbacks at the top. or where in in some years like like last year, maybe we didn't have that clear-cut guy, and, and so you know, somebody like a defensive end or or an offensive lineman could, could pop up to the And I think I think this year kind of figures to be more of a traditional draft.
4: Joey, are you surprised um, at uh, the startling and instant success of uh, Deshaun Watson? Joey, this kid just keeps getting better and better. Uh, it makes you wonder why he didn't start uh, game one, but the hook came very early. So you got to give O'Brien credit for that. He he didn't waste a lot of time with. Uh, with, with his quarterback, and uh, right now, um, you know, until these injuries to J.J. Watt and the Merciless, they looked very dangerous, but, Joey, some teams got to be kicking themselves for passing on to Sean Watson at this point. I am absolutely
2: not shocked by this, and, and, and it follows another thing I was not shocked by. I <clears throat> have have long been puzzled by, um, by the perception of some guys, some really productive college quarterbacks who seem to seemed to be diminished in the NFL draft, and the two I'm, I'm thinking of specifically are Deshaun Watson and Teddy Bridgewater, very high on both of those guys and was just puzzled why they didn't go higher. I know Bridgewater, they talked about, well, his hands aren't big enough, or he he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that, and I was like, you know, the kid wins, and he's smart. Why would why would he not be a great draft pick, and, and the, the Vikings... Uh, kind of stole him, and he was a productive player. Now he's obviously de- battling with some injuries, but um, I was mystified why he didn't go higher. And certainly Deshaun Watson, everything about him says winner. I mean, he's a he's a, and he's a great, great character kid. He's a great leader, and somebody that you know just you would look at and say, you know, that guy's going to be an NFL quarterback for a decade, and a very good one. So the Houston Texans are the beneficiary of that. I just think somehow, particularly with quarterbacks, um, you you get them in, in the in the draft ringer, and uh, it it seems like we have a few months to just pick apart at all their def- all their perceived deficiencies, and they go down the list. Whereas if you look at it more objectively, uh, you know these guys are incredibly productive. They're character guys. They're smart, um, and it, it it's mystifying why teams don't jump on people like that, and some teams are constantly looking for a quarterback. And well, these guys are out there; they're they're just not evaluating them properly. I think so. Yeah, it's it's great to see Deshaun Watson playing so well, and and I, I really I I kind of saw that coming. So I was uh, uh, thinking that it would be sooner than later that he would be starting for the Texans, and it turned out to be sooner.
3: Jill, well, Jill, Joey, in it. that. In that situation, um, Dabo Sweeney was like sounding the uh, the bugle charge on um, on Deshaun Watson uh, before the draft, and and with what we've seen Deshaun do so far, you would say, as Ira pointed out, you know the, the kid's mm-hmm. been phenomenal. But I watch him play, and I'm still, I can't help but draw the parallels with RG three and i'm just worried that his style of play he's going to get hurt and that would keep him from being that 10-year guy you're talking about
2: well I, I i tend to agree with that and and uh, i would i would say uh you know you can mitigate that you can uh you can uh you know just pull back a little bit on 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 the running i i think over time it has been proven that that these guys who who create things with their feet in college that doesn't translate long term in the NFL. I mean even Michael Vick um over over time, you know, the the constant pounding, it just doesn't work in the NFL. So um I would I would think you could uh you could you could pull that back a bit and, and adjust. Um so far I don't know that I don't know that they've done that, but I would I would say, yeah, I would tend to agree that um that that's that's a potential red flag um that two, three, four years down the line that could start to catch up to him.
4: Joey, maybe <laughs> Russell Wilson's an example of a guy who was, who uh, you know, curtailed his running a little bit uh, in, in an effort to last longer. And, uh, you know, uh, I think there are adjustments that can be made, Joey, in that regard.
1: Yeah, Joe...
2: that's, I would. That's, that's a great example, Russell Wilson, for sure, of a guy who's, who's molded his game over to an NFL
1: style. Joey, I have a question. Um, what... Kicker, do you expect that the Buccaneers will trade up to get?
2: <laughs> oh boy, everybody's everybody's on on the kicker uh, comedian uh, uh genre. It's, uh, He'll be here always, we'll, guys. I know, I, know. I know. Waitresses. Well, hopefully, hopefully the Bucks have their guy. You know <laughs> that remains to be seen. But uh, we'll see if Mr. Murray can can produce. But um, I, I yeah, I think they've. Um, I think they probably learned their lesson as have most uh that uh, if you're gonna trade up for a kicker you might you might think again <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh kickers kickers are everywhere kickers are a dime a dozen uh, uh yeah. i guess good kick, yep, good kickers aren't uh guys who can produce, but it, you know it just it's it's fascinating, isn't it that that somebody like Roberto Aguayo can just be the greatest college kicker of all time and then within minutes in the NFL he's nothing. So um <laughs> certainly certainly the, the the mental side of the game cannot be uh ignored here because that appears uh to be what's happened and, and certainly with with Nick Folk the same thing has happened. Looks good in practice, can't make a can't make a kick in the games. So um it 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 does make you think too though uh, particularly with a team like the Bucks Boy, they just cannot seem to get that right. And it's been it's been several years now and uh, they're just they're just scrambling to get it right. And um uh, and failing. we'll see. We'll see.
4: <laughs> and failing yeah. miserably.
2: It failing the wonder, of, yeah.
4: of it. It's the ghost of Matt Bryant, Joey. Matt Bryant still kicking and doing it well. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. Sometimes sometimes you have the solution in house and you try to fix it when it doesn't need fixing and then you pay for it for a decade. And you know, we've seen the, maybe the similar thing play out at other positions, but, um, but yeah, kick kicking is e- maybe even more than quarterback in terms of the fans reaction to it. Kicking just comes under this, this huge microscope. Cause we can, we can judge it. Anybody can judge it. There's two, uprights and you got to kick it through there and if you don't make it well everybody can see that with their own eyes whether you understand the game or not so uh that's that's huge scrutiny uh to play under and um you know if you can't make a uh what's perceived a makeable kick then uh you know it's like the the ancient romans or something the thumbs down you know, put the guy in the, in the pit and bring the next guy out to face the lions
1: well so, uh, thanks
0: To a degree because so many games come down to special teams, but then you hear how interchangeable members of the special teams unit are supposed to be. And, and it seems like it's, it goes both ways that yeah, you can sign any kicker off the street, but there are going to be games in every season that come down to whether you make your kicks or not. And there are going to be games that come down to field position. So someone has to put some kind of an emphasis on special teams. Obviously the Bucs went about it the wrong way, but at the same time they're left with the same problem that special teams is costing them games.
2: Yeah. And there's, there's, there's coaches and players, uh, whether it's college or the NFL, who, who certainly have made a career out of that of, of, of playing effectively in special teams. There's, there's teams that always are great at blocking kicks or, um, teams that, that seem to be able to identify kickers and punters, uh, that that play the field position game. So clearly it's 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 an area that you cannot ignore or you cannot uh de emphasize because it comes up so big in, in the in the games, all these close games that that makes such a huge difference. And certainly for the Bucks, I mean it's been very tangible what's happened. We've seen it with our own eyes. Just uh how many games they could have won or could have been in had they just had somebody that could make a, a makeable kick. And now we start over with Mr. Murray and we'll see if they can uh, get a little better at it.
1: Hey, Ira Kaufman, quick question for you. And that sure. is, um, you know, one of the great things about your Kansas city chiefs and their co- fine coach, Andy Reid is Andy Reed's always been a, very good at special teams.
4: They have a very good special teams coach, too, named uh, Taub. Uh, The guy does a great job. Of course, gentlemen, when you got Tyreek Hill back there returning punts, as uh, the Texans just found out, uh, you know, that's a play, uh, that's a spectacle waiting to happen. Uh, He might be the fastest player I've seen in about 10 or 20 years, Hill, especially when he starts going downhill, but it's all rolling for the Chiefs. Right now, Joey, they got Pat Mahomes, uh, you know, as the eventual successor to Alex Smith Uh, and Joey. I I don't even think they could have imagined Alex Smith to respond in the way he has. Uh, He's got Joe Montana numbers. Joey, you know, 11 touchdowns, no picks, 76 percent completion rate. He's been the best quarterback in the NFL, including Aaron Rodgers uh, through this early season. Uh, Hold on now. Hold
3: on. Uh, Take it easy. Take
4: it easy. Uh, (laughs) Joey, (laughs) um, uh, Mr. Mahomes (laughs) is going to have to wait, Uh, Johnston. uh, I'm not saying he's not going to be a good player. Um, You know, he's a bit of a gunslinger. But Alex Smith is anything but a gunslinger. But uh, that KC offense is is running very, very smoothly. Uh, And I got to say, Joey, I, I didn't look at Alex Smith in this way. Uh, going into the season. I thought he was a guy uh, that, uh, in the immortal words of Bill Walsh, uh, Joey, towards uh, Steve DeBerg, just good enough to get you beat. Um, and, uh, boy, the resurrection of Alex Smith has is, is been a fantastic story, pushed by a uh, a first-round uh, quarterback. Well,
2: it reminds me in a lot of ways of, of Jim Plunkett, who was once the number one pick overall by the uh, Patriots. And um, you know, kind of uh, faded out in the middle of his career, and then was re- resurrected with the Raiders. Uh, Alex Smith was the number one pick by the 49ers, and uh, his his production did not meet the expectations for a long time. And I think most people had, had written him off as a bust. But uh, you know, he 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 does have a lot of a lot of great skills, and 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 they're being applied in the proper manner now. And and, and like you said, his his career has been resurrected. He's a very productive player, and I think Kansas City has got a great situation with him playing so well, and Mahomes will get a chance to not be rushed, to learn <laughs> how to play in the NFL, which is always best for a quarterback. So, um, you know, Alex Smith always had the always had the great potential coming out of Utah and just didn't seem to be in the right situation. He certainly seems to be in the right situation now, and the Chiefs are, are better for it. So they've got a, a, a good veteran. Starting and they've got a, a young kid learning. Um, that's exactly the, the formula you try to get in the NFL for a quarterback.
1: Joe Henderson. Yes. Any questions I, uh, with regard to the NFL now? With, oh, we're talking NFL. Okay. Yeah, we slid um, over to the NFL here for a second.
3: All right. Ira Kaufman. Yes, sir. What is wrong with the Steelers?
4: What's going on there? I think there's some stuff behind the scenes. Joey, and you know, I don't want to pin this on the death of Dan Rooney, you know, leadership from the top, he he kind of set the tone. Uh, Guys, I've been a Mike Tomlin fan, you know, I I got to know him here in Tampa, Uh, I think he does a nice job in in Pittsburgh, won a Super Bowl early in his career there as a head coach, but Joey, a couple of weeks ago, you know, I, I think he kind of overthought this Anthem situation, and he... He kept his players inside, and then they had the one player that came out, the veteran, and it was a bad look. And, you know, it doesn't look like that team's quite together. And you don't often say that about uh, a traditional NFL power like the Steelers, one of the great, you know, franchises uh, of the last 50 years. Um, something's wrong there. Roethlisberger's showing his age. Um the defense is actually playing well where, you know, the last three or four years they've been defined by offense. Uh, Joey, something's not adding up in Pittsburgh. Um, if they were in a little bit better division, sorry, Henderson, with your Bengals, but if they were in a little better division, Joey, I think there'd be a lot of angst in, in, in Pittsburgh right now.
1: There is a lot of angst in Pittsburgh <laughs> right now, Ira. Um I, you know, I I think that um uh, that uh personally, I think the problem is that they don't have uh, the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger. And I don't think if you watch the game against Jacksonville, as good as defense as Jacksonville is, and I'm way, I'll am i be happy to let Joey weigh in on this. I, I think it's – Ben's decision-making is just absolutely off the charts bad at this point in time. Joey, I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Go
4: ahead, Joey.
2: Are we talking Joey Henderson or Joey Johnson? No, here? you. Uh, Joey. Oh me, okay. Joey Johnson. Jar- <laughs> Joey
1: Johnson. Yeah. Okay.
2: Uh yeah, I think I think a lot a lot goes back to Roethlisberger and uh like you said, showing his age and, and uh it may be time it may be time to to, to to move to a different regime here. Um so you know, it's happened to the Steelers before where where they have um uh, they have aged before our, our eyes and um they haven't become like a, a terrible team, but, but they've, they've, they've gone into mediocrity before retooling. So, um, you know, you can only do, you can only do things so long in the NFL before you do need to, to, uh, to change things up. And I think that might be what we're looking at in Pittsburgh.
3: Well, now Ira Kaufman, I'm going to take you to task my man.
4: Uh, I'm Are not ready, Scott yeah. yeah, I
3: know. Um, You you besmirched my Bengals Uh, since they changed offensive coordinators. They've actually Andy Dalton has been playing quite well, and that offense is humming. They beat a very good Buffalo team last week, and because of the mediocrity of that division, they're only one game out of first. And you don't know what you're going to get every week from Baltimore. Pittsburgh's a mess. Cleveland is Cleveland. Uh, The Bengals look dead and buried after three games. They're back in the race.
4: Uh, is this the same Joe Henderson, Jim, quiet, that, uh, <laughs> that 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 was uh, quietly suggesting uh, AJ McCarron might uh, might deserve to uh, take the reins over uh, for Mister Dalton
1: about three weeks ago, Jim? Qu- how uh, quietly? How quietly, <laughs> he was. I thought I, thought, I was real I quiet you, about it. I thought you were AJ McCarron's agent. <laughs> uh, well, now, Joe, you know. Uh, if, if he's working, I'm right. a, I'm available. There you go. <laughs> right. What, yeah. Ira, what but you, that, that was fair. Yeah. Um, it was a fair at the time. It was a fair uh, assessment. I I think that you know in Pittsburgh, I've um I have a lot of family who live there and uh, call me on an hourly basis to find out in crisis counseling uh, as to what exactly is going to happen, and you know I I think uh, Iris point on Mike uh, Tomlin, you know. I, Mike, you know how they, you know how the Steelers have been with regard to pulling the trigger on coaches. I don't think Mike Tom is in trouble, but I do think I that there's going to be some offensive uh, tooling uh, in the off season. And it's Joe said, um, you know, they made a switch it offensive coordinator and um, it's paid off. And I, I don't know. I think that um, from the, uh, the Steelers don't have really a second string quarterback that, um, that I think can step in and, 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 uh, and, and take over the reins, So their quarterback, uh, Joey, um, uh, might be, uh, coming in the draft.
2: Yeah, could be, could be, um, okay. you know, it's, it's fascinating. This, the, uh, the shelf life of, of, of some of the quarterbacks sometimes, um uh, uh, you know, having a long 10 year career is, is, is more rare than it used to be. And, um, yeah, well, Remains to be seen, but we'll wait and see what happens
0: well that that it helps that we put wins and losses entirely on quarterbacks these days for some reason, and we we use their record as one of the main factors in evaluating quarterbacks these days, which i I've never understood, but I look at the standings they're really. Is it me or are there are not that many good teams in the NFL right now? Teams that you would say <laughs> certainly are very good teams. The Chiefs are obviously, they're the only undefeated team left. They're clearly very good. The Eagles have been pretty impressive. The Packers look like the Packers are supposed to be. The Panthers are back on track. The Falcons look like about a similar team to what they were last year. But a lot of the teams people were looking at as teams that were going to either be title contenders or on the rise, not so sure. It's kind of a hold up. You look at the AFC East, which we expected would be dominated by the Patriots, and I still kind of expect will eventually be dominated by the Patriots. But there's a three-way tie at the top, and the Jets are part of it. The Steelers are three and two, and we're asking what's wrong with them. The Ravens are three and two. We're not so sure they're any good. The Jaguars are three and two, and they have Blake Bortles at quarterback. So, it, I'd like to say the Texans are a good team, but now that they have the injuries they have, they're they're likely to take a step backward as well. How many teams out there would you even say are good?
4: Your point's well taken, Tim. There's a great middle you know the vikings the lions uh maybe the bucks uh joey the two teams that a lot of uh, the pundits uh tabbed as the teams on the rise going into 2018 were, were the bucks and i think a team uh, very similar to the bucks on the other uh, side of the, of the conference which is the titans joey and uh they haven't played very well tennessee uh i got a feeling and, uh, you know, I, I can just see Henderson clutching his phone here. But, uh, <laughs> Joey, I got a feeling the Bucks are ready to make a move. I, I, I don't think they're in bad shape. It, it's a good division. Carolina's better than uh, they bounce back a little quicker than people thought. Atlanta's, you know, decent. And even New Orleans has straightened out after an 0-2 start. Uh, but, Joey, the Bucks are getting, you know, if they get these linebackers back, which I think they are. They're Arizona, which is not a very good team. Uh, Joey, I, I can see the Bucks going on a little roll here if Winston starts playing uh, a, a little bit better. I, I don't think they're far off. Well,
2: well I admire your optimism. Uh, <laughs> I, I think they are. I think they are ready to make a move. It may, it may may not be the move you're you're suggesting, but uh, again, it 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 does depend on 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 Jameis Winston. Yes, uh, he, he 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 needs to jump up. If the Bucks are to jump up, he needs to, to be, be leading that jump. Um, uh, we, we saw a, a great fourth quarter uh, against the Patriots, but we didn't see a very good first three quarters. So, um, you know, as, as brilliant as he has been at times, he still needs to have some consistency. And if he can establish that, maybe the Bucks can get going. But it seems to me they're in a, they're in a somewhat vulnerable part of their schedule with going to uh going to Arizona, going to Buffalo, uh and then coming home for Carolina. Um I I I don't have a great feeling about this at at this moment. Uh I guess I could be proven wrong because yeah, like you said, they're playing with that their linebackers uh with, you know, t- terrible uh, injuries on the defense and Winston not playing his best. Now they have Doug Martin back. So you know they're, they they have their formula back uh, to to win, but they're at a tough part of the schedule with these two road games and Cam Newton coming to town. If they can weather that, I think I might be feel feel a little bit better about the situation. Uh, right now, I'm not I'm not on my optimistic bucks uh, feeling at this time, but I know these things can change in the NFL. Ira Kaufman, I'm
3: going
1: to call you out again. Yeah, what are you going to do
4: about this, Jim?
1: What are you going to do? About yeah. this <laughs> I, I feel like it's, I feel like we're doing. It's time to you know get one of those drop the mic no. situations. No, All right, no. Joe. What's, what are you calling no, him out my, on?
3: My my point is this: um, the Buccaneers last year. I'm going to make a bold and brash statement, Ira, to to borrow your phrase. They will miss the playoffs by one game, and it will be linked directly to Nick Folk and his failure against the Patriots. And if you remember last year, if Aguayo was anywhere close to what he should have been, the Buccaneers make the playoffs. So for two years in a row, they're going to miss out on the playoffs because of a kicker.
4: Yeah, that was the, the that was a game against the Rams where the Bucs lost the home game against the Rams. They had no business losing it. Uh, Tim, Tim, am I wrong here, or, or you saw the Bucks? Uh, you're in town now. Um, mm-hmm. You think you think it's outlandish to think the Bucs can uh, get on a little bit of a roll here?
0: I don't think it's outlandish, but I think the problems on their offense aren't limited to Jameis Winston having a little bit of a struggle. I think one thing I'm noticing about the Buccaneers this year, and I noticed it last year as well, is if it's the second half and they're down by any amount of points, they seem to enter a weird panic mode offense that, really tempts Jameis Winston to fall into the bad habits that he's going to need to get over to take the next step as a quarterback. It seems like against the Patriots, they weren't down that much in the second half, and they really changed their game plan and started putting the ball up a little more and putting Winston, again, in a position where he didn't throw any interceptions, but he could have he threw he threw one that was very nearly picked off, and then they dropped it. It was a deep route to Jackson that he underthrew, and the Patriots saw it coming. And that's something I'm noticing. Another thing I'm noticing with the offense seems like the defense is predicting what the what the Buccaneers are going to run in some big situations, especially in short yardage situations. And that's going to need to be worked out as well because it, it's not putting Winston in the greatest position to succeed. And we've seen, even despite that, how good he was in the fourth quarter against the Patriots, how he led the Bucks on that last drive to squeak one out over a Giants team. They should have really been all over. And I, I think that's going to be determining or that's going to determine whether they take the next step or not this year is. What do they do when plan A doesn't work? Do they go into panic mode and set Winston up to just throw the ball all second half? Or are they going to be a little more patient? Are they going to use Doug Martin the way they used him in the second quarter against New England, where he almost turned that game on its ear, and then he really kind of disappeared after that? If they're going to move forward, they're going to need to balance their offense when they're not winning.
4: Joey, I, I think Tim's point has some validity. Joey, you were at the game also. And, um, you know, Cutter's play calling. Joey has come under scrutiny, and I think rightfully so. Uh, that's That's been his ticket to get the head coaching job, his relationship with Winston, and his reputation as, as a play caller. Uh, I don't think he's been very imaginative, Joey, and, and he talks about balance. Uh, Joey, I, I think Winston's throwing the ball too much in general. Um, and for anybody who says they didn't have a very good running game, well, Martin was exceptional. Uh, but they veered away from it, and, and the game wasn't out of hand, Joey. So I think uh, Winston's got to play better, Joey. I think I think Cutter's got to coach a little better.
2: Yeah, I think Tim has a great point. Uh, I think we are seeing we are seeing all sorts of helter skelter from the Bucks with what they're trying to do, and, and yeah, Doug Martin is Exhibit A that they went away from him. When he was having having success, and it was the game was not out of hand, they could have they could have kept the running game well established, and uh, and not you know slipped into as as Tim said panic mode. So yeah, that's that's definitely something to watch as to uh, not just how Winston produces, but how he's deployed, and how the running game is deployed. Now with Martin back and and, and Rogers, they've got uh, some options in the backfield, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, all Winston. Um, I mean, when you look at it, they've got those two guys in the backfield. They've also got Mike Evans and, and Deshaun uh, Jackson and the tight ends. I mean, there are some very, very nice weapons that, at Winston's disposal. How they're being used is is certainly something that's, that's uh you could question at this point.
1: So, Joey, with the Dolphins playing the way they are, the Jaguars playing the way they are, the Bucs playing the way they are, is the USF UCF winner still the best team in the state? <laughs> uh
2: maybe. I mean I you start comparing college to NFL is 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 kind of a kind of loose eh, but uh, tomato and, uh, tomato I'm, right in,
1: yeah I get it. No.
2: Yeah. In terms of interest though, um uh yeah, it, a mediocre NFL team versus an undefeated college team, then I think you probably you probably would would have more appeal to look at the undefeated college team. And uh, you know the NFL is a lot of times uh, a lot of teams in the nine and seven, eight and eight, seven and nine mode, just trying to trying to get in the playoffs. Uh, where if you look at a USF UCF situation, it's more of a special, almost historic kind of glow to their season. I do think, as we've stated before, if they get to Black Friday undefeated, that will that will be a great week. For college football in the state for those two programs and I think um you know we don't know how the future plays out but uh if if they can maintain this in future seasons well, that just enhances their ability to perhaps get into a bigger conference which I think is what each school wants and I, and I think ultimately both schools are going to need the other one to be good so so the Knights and the Bulls both being good serves the other's interests just fine
1: well, on that point, um, why don't we get ready for some final thoughts here? And um, we will start on the final thoughts category and give your social media. Uh, Tim, you start us off. Final thoughts, social media.
0: Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Sports, And we talked a little bit about coaching changes in college football. We talked a tiny bit about coaching changes in the NFL. I just want to warn all sports fans out there when your team's not necessarily as good as you want it to be simply changing out the coach, that might be one thing your team needs. It's not everything your team needs. So when that firing that you want comes down, don't celebrate too much. That's only the very beginning of what needs to happen. So if you're an LSU fan, a Florida fan, if you're watching baseball and you're a Red Sox fan, the work isn't done just because the guy you wanted to get fired has been fired. That's only step one.
1: Ira Kaufman.
4: All right, Jim, you can get me on social media at iKaufman76. And against all odds and against uh, pushing up against my uh, fellow colleagues on this show, uh, I'm sticking with the Bucks on a Roll Theory um, at Arizona, at Buffalo home against Carolina, at New Orleans, and the Jets at home. I'm looking at 5-0, gentlemen. I'm looking at a five-game winning streak uh, that will match what they did after the bye week last season. And they have had extra time after the New England game. Uh, that was a winnable game. The Pats were not crisp. They committed 12 penalties. They lost the turnover battle 2-0, but they still beat the Bucks. That's unacceptable. Um I'm looking for uh, the Bucks to f- be standing at 7 and 2 gentlemen after 9 games
0: and I'm sticking with it. Well, they need a signature win. Yep. Joe Henderson, you're up.
3: Well, you can find me uh, on Twitter Ooh. at the initial J Henderson Tampa. And um something we didn't touch on in the show but I think it deserves a mention is uh Gary Anderson, the now former uh, head coach, head football coach at Oregon State, uh, resigned uh, recently. And even though he had $11 million left on his contract, uh, he did not believe that he was getting the job done, didn't want to stick around and uh, just to draw a paycheck or to uh, ensure that the uh, university would, would have to pay him that staggering sum of money. So he left it on the table, and um, you don't see that too much today in our money-driven world. And uh, it didn't work out for him at Oregon State, but that was a class move uh, on his part to walk away and uh, relieve the university from that obligation.
1: And Jim McElwain, if you're listening, <laughs> if you want to do it, yeah. I don't think anybody would argue with you on that, Joe. That was no, a very good. A, that's a very good not, call. That's a very good call. And where can we find you on uh, social media again?
3: At uh, Jay Henderson Tampa on Twitter.
1: Cool. All right. Our guest, Joey Johnson. Joey, where can we find you on social media? Obviously, we should, and we're going to plug this, we should be listening to you on all the uh, Bulls games as the sideline reporter on the Bulls radio network. And uh, so where can we find your social media? Where can we read your stuff?
2: Uh, social media is at Joey Johnston813, and I write about college football for FanRagSports.com. Uh, I will give a thought on on college football as we've uh, you know we break it down. We look at an Alabama Clemson uh, possibility of a championship game, and we we see some other teams that uh, have maybe have have fallen by the wayside. But again, one of the one of the real joys of of any college football season. As we approach the midway point in October, this is when it really starts to get good. And we have uh, one of those crazy Saturdays coming. I don't know when when it's going to hit, but it will hit, where there's upsets galore and and the deck is shuffled. Uh, This is the fun part of college football is all the speculation and all the the absolutes that become non-absolutes. So as we get into the next month of the season, it will, be, uh, it will be fun stuff as we break the playoffs down and all the conference races because things that we don't anticipate are going to happen, and that will make it uh, just another crazy college football season. As as uh, Bino Cook always said, there, there are no bad college football seasons. It's like uh, Casablanca. You never get tired of it. It uh, always, always pleases, always uh, lives up to expectations.
1: We'll be back with more after this message from T-Mobile and Netflix.
0: Yeah. T-Mobile's Unlimited now includes Netflix on us. That's right, Netflix on us. Get four unlimited lines for just 40 bucks each, taxes and fees included, And now,
2: Netflix included. So go ahead, binge on us. Another reason why T-Mobile is America's best unlimited network.
1: Well, that brings to a close yet another edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. Now, if you don't get us sent to your phone every week, it's easily enough done. Now, you can do it by downloading us in the iTunes store. You can do it, of course, from Blog Talk Radio. And if you're one of the 10 million people who've downloaded the Stitcher app to your phone, then no problem there. We are happy to be in the Stitcher family. So go to your app, check us out if you've got Stitcher on your phone. If you're one of the over 110 million people who've downloaded the TuneIn app, well, we're happy to be part of that group too. So type in sunshine boys podcast that's the sunshine boys podcast and you'll get us on stitcher and you'll get us on the tune in app okay so four different places to get the app no problem at all every week comes right to you no big deal okay all right well special thanks of course to the sunshine boys themselves that would be ira kaufman joe henderson Thanks to Tim Williams and to our special guest, college football expert, Joey Johnston, for joining us. Until next week, I'm Jim Williams, your host, saying have a great week and uh, thank you for listening to the Sunshine Boys podcast.